Oh, Jesus, we come into this place tonight. My prayer for us is that we're all expectant, expectant of you doing what you do. Lord, we, we pray, Jesus, that, that we hear from you tonight, that we see you tonight. So, Jesus, please enter this room in your authority. May we experience you. May we know your presence as if we know a best friend. In your name.
to share something that pertains to this tune. It's one of my favorite songs. Um, I think there's a lot of us when we hear a song like this, good, good father, we're saying, you know, God, you're such a good father. I think sometimes songs are hard to sing like this because sometimes some of us feel so distant. I know for me, a lot of times my circumstances when I don't give it to the Lord, then it leads me to sin. And then when I sing a song like this, I feel extremely disingenuous. I believe the Lord saying there's some people in this room that have a hard time singing this song right now. But one of the things I believe the Lord's revealed to me recently that I, honestly was life-changing. Like I, I often will journal um, just my thoughts to the Lord and wait upon him to speak, but... What was interesting is one day I was journaling and I'm just like, Lord, it's been so long. And I don't know how to kind of get back to that place that we were. And I really believe, like, I had this image of the Lord lifting up my head and saying, well, pick up right where you left off. You don't need to earn your way back. <laughs> That's not who I am. I'll take you now. Anytime that you'll be here available, I'm here. And that's the true grace and love of the Father. And so I want to sing this a couple more times because I, I, I honestly want to sing it until we believe it. That it goes from the head to the heart for each and every one of us in this place. That we can put aside this, 
this ugly view of maybe a father that we had growing up and we can say God's the perfect character he's the perfect idea of what a father is but he's not even just an idea he's a perfect father because he really does look out for us he really does love each and every one of us in this place and so I want to sing this out a few more times as loud as we can until we lose our voices because that's the adoration that he deserves because he will do anything for us and some of us are probably saying, will he though? And he did on the cross, man. He did everything for us on the cross and the resurrection. It's for each and every one of us in this place. That's the king that we serve. That's the father that we're singing to. He's a good father because of what he did on the cross. That's what we can celebrate. That's why we sing, man. So let's do it. You're a good, good father. to who you are. Sing it out. Come on.
our prayer tonight. Jesus, for 
Father God, I pray what we just sang would be true tonight. We welcome you. You're here. Your Holy Spirit, you're here. Pray that you would move. You would speak. You would change us. I pray you'd touch our hearts tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Pretty, uh, pretty sweet to have Josh and Jalen from our Troy campus leading us tonight. What a gift. And uh, you're going to hear some more uh, from Jalen later. Um, you know, last Thursday night, we did a sort of a worship night at 20 Front Street. Anybody there? A few of you are there. Um, you know, it's a, I don't know if you've ever been to 20 Front Street. If you've never been there, you've got to go. You've just got, there's something so uniquely beautiful about that room. Our Orion uh, leadership team, we met there today for uh, our, our staff meeting and prayed in there. I don't know how to describe it. It's, so, it's such beauty. And you know, Jalen was there, and Aaron from our Clinton Township, and Chris Cook, and I was on base, Jay, or Josh was leading. It was just, just beautiful. Just, and I, I tell you what, it was so nice tonight not to be in the band, just, just breathe in what, what, what just happened in this room. It's so, it's so precious. And, you know, I thought as, the first thing we're going to do is take the offering, and I thought, isn't it interesting? We're going to take the offering just to start off. And we just sang some words, and I thought, do we really believe it? Because the offering's the moment when you release, when we release some of our money back to God, it's the moment where we are saying with our action what we just sang. Only Jesus, riches of this world will never satisfy. We just said that. And yet I know you're just like me. It's like, oh, it's hard sometimes to let go of those riches, right? Because we think if we let go of them, you know, we're going to lose satisfaction. So ushers don't even know it, but... Go, go, go. Just start walking. Don't wait for anything. You're just going to take the offering as I keep going. And, it, and I do want to say thank you. So many of you give generously and above and beyond. And most of you do that online. And it's a, it's a real statement that we are a place that says the riches of this world do not satisfy. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. And so I thought I'd start here. You know, it's, uh, I woke up today just like you did and, and read that Billy Graham died uh, today. 99 years old. Amazing man of God. Um, God used him in an incredible, incredible way. I remember um, Ann and I, a few years back, maybe 10, 15 years ago, I don't know, the first time we ever spoke uh, on marriage at the Billy Graham Center, which is in Asheville, uh, North Carolina. It's uh, called The Cove. And it was really interesting. Uh, it's, it's built right, his home is not too far from them. I've never met Billy. 
Graham, but, um, you know, obviously knew about him, had an impact on my life because, you know, I, I came to Christ in the 70s. And, you know, I, I remember uh, right before our first session, I was in the green room and there's a big picture of Billy on the wall, you know, and, and I said to some guy, I said something like, you know, this is a really nice auditorium. It's sort of small, but it's a really nice auditorium. And they have all kinds of retreats there. It's beautiful in the mountains in Asheville. And the guy that works production there goes, hey, just so you know, uh, we video everything in this room. And mostly, you know, sometimes it's for the world or the internet, but mostly it's for Billy. I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, nobody watches everything in this room but him. He watches this from his living room. So he'll be watching you tonight. I'm like, you know, as soon as he said that, I'm like, what? Billy Graham is watching this. He goes, yeah, if you're any good, you might get, uh, you know, you might, he might send a note. Well, I never got a note. But anyway, um, um, but, but the next day, Ann and I, uh, because we had some time, went over and they have a little museum. And I got to be honest, when we walked through it, you remember this? It was powerful to just walk through these. They had the podium or the, 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 you know, the platform, the podium that usually preached on and the Bible. And there were all these pictures. And it was so interesting. This guy, as many of you know, was not like this flamboyant orator. He wasn't big and flashy. He was very simple in his preaching style. You could almost say, man, he's not a big time preacher. He's just sort of simplistic. And you see these pictures of him in front of millions, stadiums all around the world filled, the Silverdome filled to capacity everywhere he went. And I read today that people think he was responsible for about 30 million conversions. They said no man in the history of Christianity has led more people to Christ than Billy Graham. It was unbelievable. I mean, when I, when I walked through that thing, I was in tears. It was just like, look at what God does. He just takes a simple man who loved Jesus and had one pursuit to know Jesus and make him known to the world. And he, and he just increased his ministry like crazy. I read a quote today. You probably saw this one. It said, Billy Graham, this is a quote from Billy. He said, someday you will read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will, just have, I will just have changed my address. I will gone into the presence of God. Way to go, Billy. Way to go. Seriously. That's how you and I want to live. I'm telling you right there. There's so many amazing men and women of God. And I remember when Evie Hill died, an unbelievable preacher. Remember Ann from uh, 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 the inner city of, uh, of Los Angeles impacted us in great ways. And there's just... There's moments in our history where, where men and women that have just stood the test of time and stood for God, and they, they pass on. It's a day of celebration, and it's also a day to, I, I hope, inspire us to say, let's do the same thing. Let's live full out every second for God. I don't know what your gift is. It may be stand on a stage and preach. It may be something totally different, but whatever it is, go for it. And so here's another thing I'm pretty excited about tonight, because tonight's a little different. I only got 20 minutes, and I've already taken like five that's okay. I can do this in 15 minutes because we're going to do something on the stage tonight with you that we really want the night to be about. But I want to I mention this. Some of you know this, but last night was pretty historic for us because we started 40 days of prayer last night in that prayer room right over there. Somebody in there right now praying. Um, so for 24-7, every hour from last night until Easter Saturday night. So that's about 40 days. That is 40 days from yesterday. 
somebody will be in there praying. If you haven't signed up yet, you can still sign up. In fact, I made a little video. I'm not going to show it to you. I I walked in there tonight to give you a little overview of the thing, and it's the worst video I've ever made in my life. I can't even show it to you. I watched it. I'm like, that's terrible. So we're not going to see it. I'll make another one that's actually good where you'll see the room. All you saw was my face, and it was terrible. But anyway, the room is absolutely stunningly beautiful. Anybody been in there? Am I right? It's unbelievable. I mean, there's such care and precision put in that room. And, and there was a lady walking in there tonight at 6 o'clock when I went in to make a video. And she says, my, I'm so nervous. I'm like, you're nervous? Yeah, I've never done this before. And maybe you're nervous to, to do it. Man, it's, I, I can't explain it to you. We did it as a staff at our Troy campus last year. And you think, can I pray for an hour? Go in there and find out. Because you don't pray the whole hour. There's actually a scripture reading. We'll have a, a thing that you read. So by the end of 40 days, together we have read the whole Bible. So you read a section, you check that off. There's prayer requests you can write down and put on the wall. There's two big couches in there. So there's, and there's a rug and there's a cross and there's the map of the world. It's, there's a sound system. There's a guitar if you want to play. I mean, I've written worship songs in the prayer room. You're never going to hear them, but I wrote them to God, you know, and you can do whatever you want, but, and, and you'll, you'll have a time with God like no other. So go on the Kensington church slash 40 days, sign up. It goes all day, all night. You can go in there by yourself. You can go in there with friends. I'm just telling you, you're going to do it. Cause here, here's what I think. I really believe that God answers prayer. And when a body like us comes together and says, we're going to beg God for 40 days straight, nonstop, to show up in a powerful way. God moves as a response to his people asking him to. And so I don't know what's going to happen at Kensington or Orient, or, or, but I think God's going to do something. Do you agree with me? It's like, it'd be pretty cool. Revival's going to break out. Maybe as a result of this, you know, it ends right on, on Easter weekend. Maybe thousands will come to Christ this year at Easter. I just walked through the notes with the teachers uh, Tuesday, and it's going to be a powerful, powerful Palm Sunday, Good Friday, Easter, all three. There are three acts of what we're calling the greatest show on earth. And I know you think we, show, we stole that from the Greatest Showman movie. We had it before that movie came out, so they got it from us. But um, anyway, you're going to hear more about that later. But here's, here's what I want to say. Last week, Cliff did such a good job at our Troy campus, Cliff Johnson. Anybody there? It was, it was Valentine's Day. And, uh, and Cliff's like, why aren't you preaching? I'm like, I'm taking my wife out on a Valentine's Day date. You preach. So he preached. And it, actually, for Ann and I, it was our first Valentine's Day date in five years, because the last five years we've been speaking, uh, working on Valentine's Day at a marriage cruise called, you know, the, the Love Like You Meet It cruise, and it's always on Valentine's. So we didn't have to, we didn't speak on the cruise this year, so we took her out. So I watched Cliff's note. Man, it was powerful. And Cliff got to do the first four verses, and I get to do five through 11 of, I think, one of the most famous passages in the entire New Testament. This is, this is the first passage I ever studied in Koine Greek, word for word in Greek. I was in seminary in 1982, 36 years ago, I think. And our first assignment after we learned Greek was we had to write a commentary on Philippians 2, 5 through 11. I stayed up all night. We had this tiny little Mac computer. It was brand new at the time. It was like this little box. And Anne edited what I put in there. And I wrote my first commentary. And, I, and, and I've never forgotten the truths of this passage are life-changing. Can I teach them in 15 minutes? No way. But I'm going to. I don't even think I need him to look at him because it's just like something that has stuck with me forever. So go ahead, let's stand up. Let's read Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11 together, and then I'll walk you through them real quick. Do I have a timer on? Go ahead, give me a timer. I want to make sure I end on time. All right, let's say this together. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, 
did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. For this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I mean, again, there, there's so much in this passage. Seriously, I, I want to know what time, what time am I supposed to end? I want to make sure I end on time. All I see is 48.34, and that's way too long for me to preach, all right? So somehow give me a timer. So here's the thing. That passage is the, the essence of what Christianity is all about. It really is. It describes exactly everything that we believe as Christians about Jesus Christ. I'll walk you back through it. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so the first question you ask is, what is that attitude? We're supposed to have the same attitude as Christ. What is that attitude? So Paul tells us, who, although he existed in the form of God, the actual word for form should be essence of God. He did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped. And here it is, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of man. It's really interesting. This is referred to as the kenosis passage. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody know what kenosis means? It means empty. And it's in the Greek word kenosis means, I remember when they told us to go home and study this, like study the kenosis passage. What's kenosis? What's that mean? What's that mean? And you look at it, it's this beautiful description of God Jesus being God and not considering that as something he would use over anybody. In other words, Jesus never said, it's all about me. Jesus never said, do you, do you know who I am? He never walked in a restaurant and, you know, moved to the front of the line and said, hey, hey, everybody else is less than me. Look, I'm God. Give me that table. Them, give me that table. You ever seen people do that? Yeah. You've seen people do that. You read stories about somebody getting pulled over and they're like, do you know who I am? And it's like, oh my gosh. That's the opposite of the heart of God. See, the heart of God is the most important in person in the universe when he was on the planet, did not want anybody to bow down to him as the most important. He came and served. He emptied himself, even though he was God. Now, this passage is not saying that he gave up his divine nature. No, he carried his divine nature into human flesh. So he was both God, fully God, and fully man. Some of you know that's called the hypostatic union. That's a big you know, theological term to say, how can one person be fully God and fully man? The only way that's possible is your God in flesh. And there's only one person that's ever done it, Jesus. And so this passage is so amazing. I said to Josh today, I said, I need a, I need a ladder. I don't even know how I'm going to use this ladder, especially since I don't have much time. But here you go. I thought this ladder, as I was reading it and studying it this week, I thought this ladder is, is the perfect picture. Here's where God was. Here's where Jesus was when he came out. I'm not going to stand on the very top. But he's on the top rung. In fact, this ladder goes way to the universe. This thing's a little shaky. I'm a little scared right now. <laughs> Catch me. All right. But no, where's, where's Jesus? Right here. Did he give that up? Nope. He's still right here when he comes to planet Earth as a man. He is on the top rung. But what does it say he did? He emptied himself and he became a, the word is bond servant. Anybody know what that means? 
Paul referred to himself in many of his letters, I am a bond slave, copying the same term that uh, he used of Jesus. It's a slave who will only do the will of his master. He doesn't have a will. So Paul is saying Jesus was fully God. He didn't give that up. In full essence, he was God. He took on the likeness of human flesh of a man, and he became a servant. So it's like he didn't stay here even though he doesn't give this up. He just says, this isn't something I'm going to hold on to. This is not something I'm going to grasp. It's probably a better translation. He steps down to here. And he says he became a bond servant or a slave of what? The will of God and to serve mankind. That's why he came. He emptied himself. And by the way, it isn't some of himself. He fully gave everything he's got. Man, you want a you picture for what makes a great marriage? Ann and I just spoke in Hershey, Pennsylvania this, this weekend to about 3,000 people about marriage. You want a picture of what makes a godly marriage? Empty yourself to serve your spouse. Empty yourself. Do what Jesus did for us, for your spouse. Seriously, that's it. People come up, oh, my wife doesn't have, just give your life away for her. No, 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 she doesn't deserve it. Give your life away for your man. No, 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 he doesn't deserve it. Either did we, what did Jesus do? He's here, and again, this goes into the stratosphere. He's here, he comes down to bond slavery, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't stop there. What's it say? He became a bond servant, and then what? I'm just paraphrasing now. To the point of death, right? What kind of death? A criminal's death on a cross. It's sort of like this. Here's where he is, all right? That's where he is. He's as low as you can get. That's not the bottom rung. He's below the bottom rung. He is not just dying. He's dying a criminal's death. He was spit. He was flogged. He was stabbed. He was mocked. He was cursed. He took all that. What's that? He emptied himself. What Josh just sang about he's a good, good father. What? Because he died for us. That's it. He went from here to here every single day of his life. And then what's, what's the end of the passage? And again, I'm just summarizing what, what, what does Paul then say? And therefore, because of that, what? God highly exalted him to what? The highest name that what? At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess what? He is Lord. Do you understand what it says? Because he already was Lord, he emptied himself. He obeyed the Father to the very end, to the very death. We're going to celebrate this in a couple, few weeks. Good Friday is the death of Christ where he gave everything. And then because of that, God said, watch this. I will raise him up to be the name above all names. There is no other name even close. Do you understand that? That's why one of the Ten Commandments is do not use the Lord's name in vain. It is not a name like any other name. It is the name. That's why if you hear somebody go, Jesus, it should be offensive to you. I'm not saying you go over there and punch them. They probably don't know what they're saying. But it's like, oh my gosh, somebody says, Muhammad, Buddha. (laughs) Seriously, those are wonderful Religious names that many people revere. But I believe Paul tells us in Philippians 2, there's one name that's above all those names. LeBron James, seriously? Great guy, awesome basketball player, right? Tom Brady, seriously? He walks in here, most people go, oh my gosh, there's Tom Brady. Or this this year, uh, Nick Foles, you know, the winning quarterback of the Super Bowl, MVP. (gasps) 
And yet we hear the name Jesus, we're like, yeah, Jesus. Do you understand? That name. When Joshua was singing that song, I thought, I literally, I was over there singing that song. And I sit when we sing because I'm going to be standing while you're all sitting right now. So I was sitting there and I just had this vision in my head. And I don't know if it's from God or not, but I thought, I can see millions one day singing that song. I really did. I saw stadiums singing, Jesus. Can you imagine that? Jesus, the only name above all. I thought, we're singing that. He knew that's what I'm preaching on tonight. He's like, that's a song. I told Jalen, later, you got to do what a powerful name it is. Because those, those songs are loaded with power. Why? Because they're worship songs? No, they're loaded with power because they lift up the one name that every knee will bow. Notice, Paul said, on earth, under the earth. What's he saying? You'll either bow now before you die to the name of Jesus and fall on your face and say, he is the king of kings and Lord of lords. You will bow and you will confess now or later. It's your choice. Billy Graham spent his whole life to implore people to bow to the name, to confess Jesus as Lord before they die. And if you don't, maybe you're here tonight, you've never confessed him as Lord. You will. You will. It wasn't maybe. You will. We, every, every soul that has ever been created by God will one day bow and will one day confess the name above all names. And I know people right now say, that name is no better than any other name. Someday, we'll all know. God took that humility and lifted it to the highest place. And here's what's amazing. The beauty, I mean, there's so much, so much beauty, but the beauty of this whole thing is that the most important person in the universe did not come to be served but to serve. You know, you go to another passage, which is such a beautiful picture, Mark 10. Mark 10. And again, I got a couple minutes. I'll read it to you. It says, when the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. What did they just hear about? Anybody know? James and John had just said to Jesus, hey, when you go into glory, can we sit at your right and at your left in, in, in heaven? And Jesus is like, you don't even understand what you're asking. And so it says, when the other 10 disciples heard this, they became indignant. They didn't become indignant because they asked Jesus for that power. They became indignant because they thought of it before they did. Do you see what's in the heart of man? We're always about elevating ourselves. When can I get in a position of power? Where can I be in a place where people can bow me? And look, Jesus, he's like, you guys don't even know what you're asking. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Now what's going on here? He's saying, here's the way of the world. Everybody climbs on top of each other to get to the top of the rung. It's like, whatever I can do to put you down and get in front of you and make more money than you, have the corner office in the position I'm going to do so that I'm up here and you're down here. And he says, not so with you. Who's you? The church. Right then it was his disciples. He says, that's not how it operates in the kingdom. It operates like what? You go from here to here and you give your life away for others. I did it. He's telling them, I'm about to do it, and you're going to follow the same thing. I love this. Not so with you. And he said, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. By the way. Oh, I'm doing good. By the way. Notice 
Jesus calls himself son of man, not son of God. You ever studied that one and understand why? He actually refers to himself more as the son of man than he ever did as son of God. Anybody know why? Josh put it in his song. We just sang it. He's just singing. I thought, I wonder if we know what we're singing right now. It's so beautiful, and I don't have time to develop it all. But if you want to do some homework, go read Daniel 7, and you see this incredible vision that Daniel has of God coming down to planet Earth. And he says, the Son of Man is descending. So he's saying the God of the universe is referred to as the Son of Man. Now, here's what Jesus is doing. The Son of Man is not an offensive term. If you go into a restaurant tonight and say to somebody, Jesus Christ was the son of man, they'll say, okay. If you say Jesus Christ was the son of God, nobody else was, they say, that's a little offensive. There's other ways to get to heaven. Nope, Jesus Christ. But here's what Jesus was saying. He who has ears, let him hear. See, if you know prophecy, if you know the Old Testament, when you hear a man say, I am the son of man, you know that man is saying that he is referring to the vision in Daniel 7 that God would come down to save his people on planet earth. And he is saying, I am that God. Do you get it? So when Jesus says the son of man, he's saying, if you have ears to hear and you know what I'm saying, you just heard me say, there is no name higher than my name. The son of man, I'm making sure you understand, this is who I am, did not come to be served, but to serve. Now, you look at his life. Did he do that all the time? Right before his death. I'm not gonna read you the passage because I know you know the passage. But you go to John chapter uh, 13, just before the last supper. Disciples walk in the room. He's going to be arrested the next day. What does Jesus do? The first thing he does, he picks up a towel, it says, and he actually tied it around his waist. These towels aren't that big, but he put it around his waist. Why did he do that? Because that's what servants do. In fact, the lowest servant of the house was given the job of washing the feet of the people that came in because they didn't wear shoes like we do. They had sandals. They walked on dirty, uh, dusty roads and their feet needed to be clean. Nobody had taken that role that night when they walked into the house. Why? Because nobody's going to stoop that low. None of the disciples yet have figured out, oh my gosh, not so with us. Somebody should have done it. The servant of the house didn't do it. He must not have been there. None of the disciples are going to do it. You can see them. They're like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. I'm above you. You're below me. Blah, blah, blah. All that's going on. So nobody does it. So who does it? The son of man who did not come to be served, but to serve others, picked up the towel and the water and he got down. Can you picture this? The son of God goes all the way to the bottom and washes the feet of disciples who are arguing about who's the most important. And so it's a picture of how God said the church is supposed to function. How leadership should work in the body of Christ. You want to be a great leader in the body of Christ? What do you do? You serve. You don't demand to be served. You serve. That's one of the reasons at this church we've never had a pastor's parking spot by the front door. Churches do that, that's their choice. We decided, no, we should park in the back and let the people that are trying to follow God or find God have the best parking spots. Why? Just one way to serve. We don't talk about that a lot. And it's like, hey, look at me. No, it's just a way to say, let's pick up the towel and let's serve. And so here's what we're gonna do tonight. And this is all we're gonna do for the rest of the night. Jalen is gonna sing as long as it takes. I thought I heard him say, I'm going to sing 50 songs, but he said 50 minutes. So either way, and he can do that all night and it will be glorious. And the words will be up there for you to sing with him. But while 
Jalen leads us in worship, we're going to do an exercise. It's so funny. When we were planning this a uh, couple weeks ago, my son Cody came up with this idea, and we all looked at him like, seriously, you want people to come up on stage? He goes, don't you think it would be beautiful that we put in these chairs or we put on the, on the floor on our knees all the leaders of Kensington? Prayer team members and staff and volunteers who lead in this place, and we serve you. So you're going to come up and sit in one of these chairs. And again, you don't have to do this. If this, you know, weirds you out, I get it. But I would also say, if you're a little uncomfortable, break through it. Because when Cody said that, we're all like a little uncomfortable. And he goes, man, this could be a beautiful night. And he's not even here. He's in Arizona right now. (laughs) Maybe he's watching it on live stream. I don't know. But man, after he said it, we all just started praying and we got real excited. We're like, this is risky. This could go wrong. (laughs) You know, who cares? We just thought, what a beautiful night to not just read about what Jesus did, empty in himself, but let's copy it. And so here's how it's going to work. And I, and I really do. I hope every one of you feels the freedom to come up here on stage. And, and the way we have it is this side can come up these stairs. And you'll see when you get up here, there's a little line right here, a pink arrow right here. And there's the same thing on that side. So just walk up, take your shoes off. You can do that part, okay? <laughs> and carry them with over here. We're going to have our leaders at every one of these chairs. You can just pick any chair you want. If somebody gets up to leave, you can take the next one, and we'll just go. And then after you have your feet washed, and we'll dry them, you can put your shoes back on. You can come over here just like the Last Supper and take communion by yourself. There's, there's the bread in here and juice in here, and I think there's a little cup for you to throw, or a little trash thing so you can throw the cup in. Same thing on that side. And here's the last thing I'll tell you. When you come up, as you sit down, and again, this is your choice, But if you'd love to tell us one thing you'd love us to pray for, we will pray for that as we wash your feet. Is that okay? You can just say a word or you can say one thing. I'm hoping that we can all do this tonight. And, you know, it's interesting. Again, this is sort of Cody's idea. We thought we'd initially go out here and do it. And his thought was, no, 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 no. Let's do it up here. Why? Because it says that this place is no higher than that. See, it's interesting. You look at the church, you think we're up above because we're more important. No, no, no. The only reason we're up above is so you can see us. If the church was built architecturally the way it should be, we'd all be on the same ground. And so instead of us going here, we're like, no, no, no. You got to understand, this is who you are, who you are. You are elevated by Christ to the same position everyone is. I'm no more important than you because I'm on a staff and I'm a pastor and you're uh, a stay-at-home mom or a doctor or a plumber, whatever. We're all the same in Christ. So it's like, let's elevate. We could have gone down. Come up up here. Nothing nothing special about this place. This is just a place for you to come up. So I'm going to tell you, start lining up over there. Start lining up over there. It's going to be a little messy. You're going to be in line for a while. Uh, The the staff and the volunteers and leaders, come on up. Get ready to to wash your feet. Oh, yeah, there's stations in the back. What are they, Josh? I didn't listen real good. Oh, if you don't want to get your feet washed, there's uh, stations in the back you can take communion. And I would say if you do that, take communion. Don't leave. We're going to sing for the next 30 minutes or, 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 or longer if it takes. And again, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you up. And I tell you, I hope you feel the freedom to come up here and let us serve you by washing your feet. And again, I know this isn't a culture where feet washing is a thing we do anymore, but it is a, a statement, I think, to say we want to be Jesus and serve you, and you serve others. One last thing I'll say. There's a, quite a bit of people that watch us on live stream. Do this at home. 
It's amazing. Probably as many people are watching us right now at home as are in this room. That's how many people watch our live stream. So do this at home. If, if you're there with somebody, wash each other's feet. I don't know what your situation is, but if there's a way to do this at home as well, go get some water, get a towel. I think we should throw some essential oils in there. I think that'd be nice. I'm just kidding. Let me pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, I do pray that this, this moment right here would be a moment of worship. Ascribing worth to you and ascribing worth to your, your children, your creation. To men and women, boys and girls made in your image who matter greatly to you and to us. And so, Lord, even as you served us by not only washing our feet, but dying for our sin. Jesus, I pray that you would allow us to serve others and that people would feel the presence of God in this act as we seek to empty ourselves just as you did and honor you and honor others made in your image. So God, I pray you create something beautiful even in the next few moments as we sing to you and we act worshipful before you. In Jesus' name.
That once was crowned with thorns is crowned with glory now. The Savior never to wash our feet. Now at his feet we Yeah. 
Chases me. 
Sing this last one out. Yeah. 
yours, your good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am.
Yeah. Tell you what, what a perfect truth to walk out of tonight. He's a good, good father. That's who he is. That's his, that's his identity. That's his character. And that character came to serve you and I because of who we are. We're loved by him. I tell you what, it was really a blessing. I'm sure everybody up here that was washing your feet felt the same thing I did. To serve you, to pray for you, to bow down sort of, to wash your feet was really, didn't you feel that way? It felt like a privilege. There were some beautiful moments up here. It's really pretty powerful. Um, and I just want to close with this because, you know, it's, it's so cool to think that somebody's right over there right now praying uh, for the last hour and somebody's going to trade off at, at nine o'clock and go back in there. And, and I don't know if I'm accurate on this, but I think I am. All that idea was started by a guy standing right over there. Eric, was this your idea? He'll never say it was. Was it Eric's idea? Do this 40 days of prayer. It wasn't? It was the whole prayer team. We have an amazing prayer team. He's not going to let me say it was his idea. Was it? I don't know. It was probably the whole prayer team. I mean, they've been doing that 24-7 for our midweeks, and now we're going to do it for 40 days. Such a beautiful thing. I, I, I'll say this. When Ann and I walked in to speak in this ballroom in Hershey, we met the prayer team, and they told us we've already prayed for every single person coming to this conference 10 times. And while you're up there on stage, the entire weekend, we'll be in this room praying that God does miracles in that ballroom. A guy walks up to me Sunday morning with these papers. I go, dude, what is it? He goes, will you rip these up? I go, what are they? He goes, these are my divorce papers. Will you rip these up? Um, I said, no, I will not rip them up. You rip them up, and I'll, I'll take some of them home with me. So I've got them in my backpack. But... Was that because of David and Ann speaking in Hershey? No, that was God answering prayers of people that were asking God to do miracles. And that was just one glimpse of one we got to, to see. So I'll invite you back this weekend. We end our series on parenting. Ann and I are going to do this again together. And I tell you what, it is a powerful series to talk about what does it look like to raise our sons and daughters to be men and women of God. And that doesn't mean you have to be a parent to do that. You have influence in somebody's life, so you don't want to miss that. Again, our prayer team will be up here if you, if you want to pray. Maybe you didn't come up before and you're feeling led to, to come up and at least be prayed over or have your feet washed. We can do that. We'll do that. And again, sign up for 40 days of prayer. Let's do this thing all the way to Easter. God bless you. See ya. Thanks.